following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Amen. If you would, grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of Habakkuk. This is the last week that we're going to be in Habakkuk. As you are turning in your Bibles, I have a deep theological question for you before we start this morning. Are you ready? What is your favorite song? And don't tell me. Just think about it because people will judge you when you say that song. That's just how it works. What is your favorite song? Do you have a favorite song? For me... If you were to ask me, like, hey, Jordan, what is your favorite song? I'd be like, you know, it's kind of like picking out one of my favorite kids. It all depends on the day. <laughs> right? I mean, we have, uh, Bethany is a classically trained pianist. I used to DJ. Uh, and so sometimes there's a clash of the clans in our house because it's Beethoven or Bieber. And it all <laughs> depends, right? It just depends. So it, it all depends on what mood I'm in, right? I mean, sometimes if we're in the living room, uh, you know, and it's, it's a dance party night at the Muck House, I mean, we need something that's going to make us dance, right? And then sometimes if uh, we're just wanting to chill out, like on Sunday morning, it's just, um, you know, play something smoothing and relaxing. And sometimes it's, you know, play me some Southern gospel music. Anyone? Right? I mean, sometimes I just love some Southern gospel, bluegrass, crazy Music, and you think to yourself, really? Like, you like this? Hey, you come into my house, and there's bluegrass playing. It's about to get real, all right? So you're, all, you're more than welcome. So what's your favorite song, first of all? And now, if you really were to analyze it, what does that song say about you? <laughs> it's funny, the spouses start hitting other, you know, they're like, oh, I know exactly what that says about you. You're crazy. <laughs> what does it say about you? Some of you guys would look at your favorite song and you'd say, well, lyrically, this song just describes how I'm feeling right now, right? Like, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the beat with somebody. <laughs> right, yeah, right? And, and some of you would be like, you know, oh, it just says kind of where I'm at, you know, like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. Deep theological words right there for you, right? What does it say about you? The reason I ask you this song, what's your favorite, or the question is, what's your favorite song, and what does it say about you, is because Habakkuk, our author, in Habakkuk chapter 3, is a musician. He's a songwriter. And I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, he is going to construct, in Habakkuk chapter 3, a song. And it's, the song is going to be for his Savior. And he is going to essentially, because we have seen in the first couple of, of weeks that we were in Habakkuk, Habakkuk questions the Lord. He says, God, I have a few questions for you based off of what I see that is going on in society. He says, the first question that I want to ask is, do you even hear what I'm saying? When I pray, he says, God, do you hear my voice? And then the second question he asks is, God, you may hear my voice because the Lord does respond to him. He says, uh, since you have heard my voice, I'm going to ask you a second question. Is there any justice in the world? 
Because all I see Habakkuk says with everything that's going on in his world, which is the same with everything that's going on in our world, he says, all I see is injustice. Like people don't get what they deserve and their sin and it runs rampant. And why are these things taking place? He says, God, answer me. Uh, and, and God answers him. And then he asks him another question. And Habakkuk and, and his Savior just kind of converse together. They have this big conversation. And he realizes after the pinnacle, after all of those two chapters that we studied together collectively, he says, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a song for my Savior. And he's going to give us how to praise the Lord in Habakkuk chapter 3. It's an outline for us to follow of how we praise the Lord regardless of what's going on in our society and regardless of what's going on in our world and regardless of all of these things. Habakkuk, his song that he gives to us is a song that we can mimic and we can repeat as we create a song of praise to our Savior. So if you would, if, you're not, if, if you haven't already turned there, Habakkuk chapter 3 is where we're at. This is the pinnacle of the book. And this song, obviously, is going to say a lot. So we're just going to kind of walk through it together collectively this morning, and then we're going to honor the Lord and take um, <clears throat> the Lord's Supper or communion later. So, verse 3, chapter 1. This is, after all of these things, he says, after all these things, all these things, this is a prayer, or circle that word in your Bible, prayer, a song, it could be translated, of Habakkuk. This is a song of Habakkuk, and some of your versions say prayer. Who was a prophet according to? Now, you ready for this? This word is super hard to pronounce. I'm going to mispronounce it, and that's okay, because I'll tell you why in just a second. Of Shinanoth, did okay there. And what we need to know is, what does that word mean? That word, a form of that word comes up in the book of Psalms. And here you go. Are you ready? That word means, who knows? Nobody has any idea. You can read commentary after commentary after commentary, and it's refreshing sometimes to hear somebody who's a theologian go, I don't know. And he says, this is a question that we're just going to have to ask the Lord. Now, we have some ideas of what that word would mean. One thing, it could be a musical term. It could be essentially like a poem. In other words, if you were to go online with your favorite song and that one word that you don't know or you don't understand or you can't make out because the artist kind of slurs or whatever the case is, you go on Google and you search it and you go, oh, that's what he's saying. In Habakkuk, this is the lyrical content, some people believe, of the song, the musical terms in which he is about to use. That's one thing. Another um, term that this could mean is a, something that is sung with strong emotion. So Habakkuk doesn't write this just to be kind of an impassing thing. He writes this with strong emotion. I want you guys to really grab hold of this. I want you, it, it, there's some strength coming out of here. I really, truly believe this. Another thing could, could mean a passionate triumph. Knowing that Habakkuk's prayers were answered, he essentially says this is passionate triumph over what God has done. It's a song to be sung in praise. That is going to have, a couple of guys would say, have some rapid changes within it or abrupt changes in the tone of what he says. So some things are going to be said soft and some things are going to be said a little bit louder and there's going to be some change of direction in there. So we could take verse 1 and we could walk through it here. A song of Habakkuk the prophet according to a musical term or poem with strong emotion, passionate triumph, with rapid or abrupt changes throughout what he is saying, okay? So those are some ideas. So here, here's what he says. He says, first of all, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, and I fear it. In the midst of the years, revive it, and in the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember your 
mercy. The first thing that we see here, if you are taking notes with me, we're going to construct a whole sentence with every point that I give you this morning. And the sentence will be the answer to the question of, how do I praise the Lord? The first part of that sentence is, we do exactly what Habakkuk's doing is, which we create a song for our Savior. We create a song for our Savior. We, the people of God, have the opportunity to create a song that will be sung to our Savior. Uh, Casting Crowns did a song a while ago called My Life Song. And I love that song because it really truly is our life sings a song to our Savior. Habakkuk's life sang a song to his Savior, and so it is with me and you. We create a song, and what needs to be in there is the question. Well, let's break it down. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, the first thing that he would say is, I have heard the report of you, and the key word in the first part of chapter 2 is, I fear you. I have an admiration of you that you are a powerful God. I see that you are powerful. I see that you are mighty. I see all of these things, that you are working things out, that if you were to make them known to me, I would be blown away at how you are orchestrating your world. And you are a masterful conductor, he says. Do you know that about our God, the living God, the God above all other gods or idols, that he is a powerful God? Does your song in which you sing speak of God's power? Do you personally in your places speak of God's power? Do you um, sing those things to the people who are in your life? Do you tell of God's power. So he says, first of all, I see that. I fear it. I admire you. I am in adoration of you. I step back according to chapter two. And then he says, in the midst of the years, I revive it. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, I remember your mercy. And he's talking about God's forgiveness. God, I know that you're a powerful God. You could wipe me out. You're going to wipe out the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. I know you're going to do those things, which is Habakkuk's enemies and the people's enemies who are pushing against them. He says, I know all these things. And not only do I see your power and I sing your power, but I also sing your forgiveness. For us, it would be the forgiveness of our loving God who sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting or eternal, depending on your translation, life. Because God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He sent Jesus in the world to save it. Save a sinner like me and like you. So our song should sing two things, as Habakkuk says in this text. One, it should sing of God's power. We should speak it as his people. And two, our song should sing of his forgiveness. And that forgiveness, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is your first stop. You say, I believe in Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible tells us you will be saved. You are affirming God's truth is greater than man's truth or what culture and community dictates with being right or wrong. I say this book is right because every word of God according to the Bible says proves true and I've seen it over and over again. That's Habakkuk's song. I'm going to create a song for the Savior that's going to speak of his power and his forgiveness. Um, Hans Christian Andersen uh, once said, he said, where words fail, music speaks. And that's the case. And Bethany and I would agree on that, man. We would say, there are just some times you just have to sing it. I always make the joke of whenever we watch a musical together, well, when Bethany watches a musical and I'm there, (laughs) 
I'm like, people don't just do this. Like, people just don't break out in random song. It doesn't happen, you know? Imagine a world that that is a real existence. You're coming into church this morning. You get in the parking lot. You go through the front doors. And you see um, George. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he looks at you and he says, Oh, what a beautiful morning. And for some reason, something in your soul says, Oh, what a glorious day. People don't do that. That's weird. I'm turning around. I'm going to another church. <laughs> Just saying. All right? <clears throat> Habakkuk would say, though, where words fail sometimes, music speaks. And he is uplifting his Savior and his power and his forgiveness, and he's singing it to him. He's saying, God, just what you guys just did here this morning, Habakkuk is doing the same thing. He is, that's why we sing in church. We're elevating Jesus. We're saying these words speak more than things I could ever say. And it's true, right? Sometimes you just have to stop and pause in worship and just be like, God, this is huge. This is massive. And those, that music just carries you. And Habakkuk would say that's true. He says, <clears throat> so um, what does the song say about you? Well, your song that you construct to Jesus should have his power in it. First of all, it should have his forgiveness in it as well. Okay, now watch, number two. Now he's going to walk through a massive amount of scripture here. And what he's going to say is the second part of the sentence is, we create a song for the Savior through understanding his presence. Okay, the second part of the sentence is, I create or construct a song for my Savior through understanding his presence. So all throughout Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3 through verse 15, he's going to make declarations of seeing God's presence in a few areas. And you have these here this morning, okay? I see three areas of God's majestic presence. Go to 3, 3, first part. Whenever we say A, if we say like verse 3A, we're just talking about the first part of the verse, okay? If we're talking about 3B, we're talking about the second part of the verse. Sometimes people will put 3C, we're talking about the third part of the verse. They've just diagrammed that sentence, okay? So first part, he says, God came from Teman. Now, make a note in your Bible. He is talking about a desert oasis when he uses that word, Teman. He's saying, I am talking about the desert oasis, the Holy One from Mount Paran. And he is claiming what people in his generation already knew, which was the Exodus story. All of the audience would have fully understood the Exodus story, that God's people were once in slavery over here underneath Egyptian rule, but God saved them. He brought them out of slavery, and he put them in the promised land. And so when Habakkuk says, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, his splendor covered the heavens and the earth, was full of his praise, he is saying that God arrived. He is speaking that God's presence first starts in his arrival. In other words, our understanding of his existence. And God's always been, he's always been there, and he's always been present. But what he's saying is, I Habakkuk have realized these things from chapter 1 and chapter 2, that God arrived. Okay, there's your first thing. So the first place that he sees his majestic presence is in his arrival. That, whoa, God has always been here. He's, he's, he's always been in existence. He's always been there. And so Teman, he's talking about the Exodus story of redemption and a desert oasis where God arrived for his people. Old Testament. New Testament, God arrives in the form of Jesus Christ. 
And so what he says is, he says, for the people of Habakkuk, they could have gone back and seen the Exodus story and how God showed up. And for us, we see in Jesus Christ, God showed up for our behalf so we could see his power and understand his forgiveness. Now watch, there's a musical term here, and it's called Selah. And most of the time when you're reading your Bibles, you will miss this word. You just pass right over it. And Selah is huge. Because what Habakkuk is saying here is a musical terminology. And you can write this in your Bible. It's okay. It's actually going to help you down the road, especially with Habakkuk chapter 3. When he says Selah, he's saying, pause for a second and take this in. I'm about to change key, first of all. But when I change key, there's the musical term, I want you to reflect on what I just said, and I want you to exalt and praise the Lord because of it. How many times do you say la in your life? Like we just move from one to the next to the next. You're like, Jordan, just give me the next two points, and I'm out. But Habakkuk says, whoa, to you who are reading this, my song has silence in it to where I stop and I pause and I reflect on what I just said, I say la. Because I'm changing key and we have to exalt the Lord because of this. And the other musical terminology here is he says, I want you to lift up your instruments because we're about to go crazy. (laughs) It's awesome. He's like, this is something where we lift up our instruments and we're about to really blow, right? We're about to really shake the ground because of what God has done. And so he says, pause for a second and take that in, that God showed up for us when we were slaves in the desert oasis. And God showed up for you and me while we were sinners, lost in our trespasses. Take it in. Take it in. It's crazy. Why would God do that? There's nothing in it for him. Habakkuk says, take it in. So God arrived, and not only did he just arrive and stand there like a bystander. Watch this, for the second part of three. His splendor covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Behold him went pestilence. A plague followed at his heels, and he stood and measured the earth, and he looked and he shook the nations, and then the eternal mountains were scattered, and the everlasting hills sank low, and his ways were the everlasting ways, is what he says. I saw the tents of Kushan and affliction and the curtains of the land of Midian, and they trembled, right? Remember, we saw the word tremble a couple of weeks ago? Not talking about a handshake, not talking about a push. Gale force winds is how God works and moves. Enough to shake the branches off trees and eliminate all the agriculture that exists within the land. And what Habakkuk is saying here is God didn't just arrive. He made his appearance known. He made his appearance known. In that desert oasis, God made his appearance known. And now watch this. There's a key word here that I think is interesting. In verse 4, it says, His brightness was like the light, and rays flashed from his hand. This is fascinating. If you do a study of the word rays, you can circle that in your Bible. This is what this means. Have you ever seen a little kid draw a sun? Like if you have little kids, I want you to go home. I want you to say, hey, I want you to draw a sun, okay? And there you go. Okay, Dad, no problem. Some kids will draw a sun, which is a circle, and little like rays shooting off. And you'll go, oh, that's great, awesome. But some kids will draw a circle with triangles on it. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? So the triangles go kind of all the way around the sun. <clears throat> this is where that comes from. Thanks. So what happens is <clears throat> you have these rays. 
the definition of the word raise or the translation of the word raise is, ready? Horns. And so when that's translated, that comes from the fact that those triangles were representations of horns or God's precedence, which would be burning heat or radiances of his glory. They showed how the power of God went from the base all the way to the point. And so the sun was a representation for the people where they saw it as a powerhouse. And what happened is it would radiate or that heat would take from the bottom of the base and go to it and it would show up in our lives. And so what Habakkuk says here in verse 4 is he says, God's brightness when he appeared to us was like horns of light that flashed gloriously from his hands. Whoa. Whoa. So he's saying God just didn't appear and show up and sit there like a sidelined person uh, and just watch this whole thing take place. He says, no, 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 no. He had magnificent purpose in his appearance, and he operated in our lives. And so what he says is over here, yes, this in the Old Testament was the fact that God pulls us out of slavery, and he had glorious Uh, rays that radiated in our lives that pulled us out of slavery and showed us that the old is gone as the new had come. Christ does the same thing. Christ looks at you and he says, this is who you are living in sin. This is who you are now saved. And if you keep going in the text, it says that he stands there and he measures the earth like a judge. And he he shook the nations. And he'll do the same thing in the book of Revelation, because his ways are everlasting ways. That's verse 6. He is everywhere, and he is working, Romans 8.28, for the good of those who love him. He's not just everywhere. He's not just there. He's working and moving in all of our situations and circumstances. He's operating in all of the things that we have going on in life. He is there. He's not just making an appearance and looking at it and going, man, that looks like it's really tough. He's like, no, no, no. I understand that's tough. And I want you to do what Proverbs chapter 1 says. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean on me in faith. And we just talked about this in our Sunday school class just like 10 minutes ago. And faith is a steadfastness. It's a Hebrew word that shows us that it is not just a one-time thing to where we say, okay, God, here's where, you know, like I'm committed to you. Like, you know, I'll give you 80%. And then if something else comes along, I'm going to give them like 20%. He says, no, this is daily dying uh, to myself so that I can serve you with everything I have. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, my brothers and my sisters, as living sacrifices to die daily deaths, minute by minute, to yourself and your ways so that the Savior can be glorified and your faith can increase. Because we see God's hand moving in all things. When he appears, I have a song that I start to sing and articulate of God's power. And when I see God working in my life, regardless of the fact that I'm a sinner, I see his forgiveness walking all the ways in my life. And so I'm dependent on him. My song is all about forgiveness. See that? I just listened to uh, an interview the other day, and this guy, he's a musician. He writes down every single show that he's ever done. It's crazy. Like every, single, every single show that he's ever done, he's got like this list going. Every single uh, album that he listens to song-wise, writes it all down. And the guy who's doing the interview, he's like, you must have a ton of, like, of music. He's like, oh yeah, it's like, it's like a, a gig file on my computer. 
And he's like, why would you do that? Why would you write it down? He goes, because then I can go back. And first of all, if I'm talking to somebody and they're like, hey, we were at your show in Chicago in 1983. He's like, actually, it was in New York in 1984. And he's like, so there can be a correction. He goes, but, and then like album-wise, I can look at that song and I can say, oh, I've heard that. I've heard, I've heard what it said. And he could tell you if it was good or bad. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, what if we did that with our life in regards to the way that God works and operates so we could have validation of the song that we sing? So like for me, for example, I have in my office, I have this vase that I stole from our kitchen. Sorry. And um, it was a long time ago. You're not missing it. Believe me. And uh, there's rocks in the vase and there's dates on the rocks. And you ready for this? This is real deep and theological. I call them God rocks. Because the dates are when I've seen God show his hand of either power or forgiveness. And if you go into my office right now and you look up there, you'd say, Jordan, why do you have a vase of rocks with dates on them? And I would say that's part of the song that I can sing of how I could declare God's power and declare his forgiveness. See? Where's your vase? Like, I don't know. I'm just going to start one this afternoon. Good. Good for you. You should. Okay? So he says, God appears. His presence is in his arrival, his appearance. Watch this third thing, 8 through 15. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord, and anger against the rivers, or your indignation against the sea? He's talking all of this in context about the Exodus story. When you rode on your horses, now Babylon was uh, big on having horses uh, that were really powerful, but he's saying essentially God's horses are a little bit bigger than this. On your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. What's the word after that? Selah. Take that in. Like, pause for just a second and realize, Habakkuk says, God has arrived on the scene. He's always been there. He's appeared to us, made himself known, and now here, number three, what we see is he is acting. He is acting. He's going to ruin the Babylonians. You see what he's saying? He says, I'm going to act. Watch. He, He keeps going. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains you saw, you withered. He's talking a little bit about creation here. The raging water swept on. The deep grave forth its voice. This is lyrical content for his song. It lifted up his hands. He's speaking of God's power and his forgiveness. The sun and the moon stood still. From the book of Joshua. Is this what he's talking about? So he's not only just singing his song, he's singing the song of his ancestors. Isn't that crazy? All the things that Habakkuk is doing here, he's not just singing and articulating his own song. He's singing a song that his ancestors sung too. In other words, the saints get to join in together in unison the songs of God's provision and forgiveness throughout generation to generation to generation. He says, it's not just about you, brother. It's about us collectively as saints. So he says, watch this. You made the sun stand still in their places. At the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear, you marched forth the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people and for the salvation of your anointed. Man, he fought on our behalf is what he says here. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare. Now, you can underline that word there, laying him bare. He's saying, essentially, I have exposed the foundation of the wicked from the thigh to the neck. What's the next word? Take that in. What? Take all of what I just 
said in. That God arrived, he's been there from generation to generation. Right there sitting next to us waiting for us to acknowledge his arrival. His appearance has been made known. And he is acting on our behalf. If you were to talk to anybody from the Old Testament, the one thing that they would say to you is, do you know that God of the heavens who created them fights for you? Do you know that? Have you understood and grasped in faith that the Lord of the heavens fights for you when you're in a relationship with him? Isn't that crazy? Why? why? I, I mean, I ask God this all the time. Why would you fight for me? And you know what he says? He says, because you're my creation and I love you. It's the same way that I would fight for my kids. I mean, if you guys were to come at my kids and say something about them, you know what? Like, you gotta, you gotta meet me and then behind me is mama, so you're in trouble. That's what God says. He says, because I'm, you're my creation. Because I love you and I want you to acknowledge where you came from. And I want you to acknowledge that in everything, in my arrival, in my appearance, in my actions, I've been there. Now, in God's actions, there's two ways. In 8 through 11, he's talking about nature. And in 12 through 15, he's talking about the nations. So if you go to verse 15, he says, Rejoicing is to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, surging the mighty waters. Talking about the Egyptians. So all that to say, Habakkuk has created a song for the Savior through understanding his presence in his life. And number three, that brings peace. My kids are singing this right now. I don't know where they picked it up. But Jonah will come home and Kareen will t- just kick in. And I got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. And then Kareen will be like, I got peace like a river. And then John will be like, in my soul! Because that's how we roll. Okay. And it's amazing to me. You know, I got joy like... Yeah, see, it keeps going. And I'll kick in with him. I'll be like, me too, man, me too, right? Because sometimes where words fail, music speaks. And Habakkuk says that. I got peace like a river. He just got talking about how God is sovereign over the nations and over nature. And watch this, 16. I love this verse. This is like, this is great. He says, I hear and my body trembles. And my lips quiver. You guys have been in love. You know what that lip quiver is like, right? Whatever. All right. So he says, Rottenness enters into my bones and my legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people to invade us. He says, right there, he says, essentially, my nervous system is shutting down knowing all these things. He says, knowing all of these things that... There is a song to be sung about God's power and his forgiveness, his presence in all of our lives, and all of those things, all the situations and all the circumstances that you have, God's hand has been in it. The question is, is your perception right or wrong? Have you seen those things in hardship or in help or in joy or in sorrow or all of those things that we talk about when the two come in and they get married on this stage in sickness and in health, in rich times and poor times, we've seen God be faithful through the whole process. That's what Habakkuk says. And he says, knowing all these things gives me peace. And he says, and so I will, watch this, in 16, the second half, he says, 
I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. What? Habakkuk says, knowing all these things, here's where I have my peace. And you guys could look at it this way. The hardships in your job, in your marriages, in your friendships, in whatever you have going on, with the people who push against you and persecute you, if you sing a song to the Savior of his power and his forgiveness that is articulated in his presence, you will have peace that you'll just look at it and go, and what are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? Like, seriously, like, what's the worst that could happen? Because nobody can take away your relationship that you have with your Savior. I asked my mom this one day. I said, Mom, I got a deep theological question for you. I said, let's say, and this was right when I was articulating um, what it means to be saved. I said, Mom, let's say that I didn't um, ever trust Jesus. I said, would you, the, the day of reckoning, would you give your salvation up for me? You know what she told me? Straight up, like, to my face. She's like, nope. I'm your son. You like me more than Brenda. She's like, no way. You can't have it. I was like, seriously? She goes, Jordan, why would I reject the greatest gift that's ever been given to me that you have a choice to accept as well? She says, why would I do that? And Habakkuk says the same thing. He says, look at this gift that I have been given of salvation and look at the peace that it brings me, especially when times of trial and tribulation come. Isn't that crazy? He says, you could throw the world at me and all these problems and these Chaldeans and these Babylonians, forget about it. They're nothing because my God will deal with them. 17. Though the fig tree, he's going to use an an agricultural reference here, though the fig tree should not blossom nor the fruit on the vines, the produce of the olives fail and the fields yield no more. It's crazy. The flock will be cut off from the fold and there will be no herd in the stalls. He says inner peace does not depend on outward prosperity. My inner peace does not depend on my outward prosperity. He said, listen, in my life, now I don't know if you know this or not, and we're just talking about this, like do you understand the ramifications of the gospel are that you could lose your life, all of it. Like that in your life, fig trees will not blossom whatever they are in your life. That fruit on the vines might never produce fruit. That olive trees will fail. That your flocks will be cut off or your kids will be sick or your spouse will be sick, or your job will be tough, or your life will be hard. He says, it doesn't matter because my inner peace does not depend on my outward prosperity. I have Jesus, and that's all I need. He says, because every time I go back to asking God those three big, ginormous questions that I ask him, do you understand that he answers me in ways that the world never can? And so he concludes in 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation because the song that I'm singing to him, I realize that he is my strength. What? That type of peace the world wants to pay for. And let me tell you what, it's not for sale, brother. You can't buy it with money, but you can buy it with yourself. He says, he makes my feet like the deer. He makes me tread on high places pause there for a second. Go to 19 and circle the word deer. Uh, Some of you guys might know, 
I, I, like, I love to hunt. I just think it's awesome. Like, it, there, there's something that happens in hunting that is uh, amazing, and it's not necessarily the, the thrill of, like, the kill or whatever. Um, there are times when I have seen in a deer stand, like, deer that go by, and you just don't, you don't, you don't take a shot at them. You just watch them. They're the most magnificent creatures. Two things that I love, or three animals that I love in life, deer, um, horses, and tigers. Don't ask me about tigers, okay? But they're everywhere. Bethany's laughing because it's true. Like, they're all, I just think they're cool. We're at the zoo, and I'm looking at tigers, and she's like, that's all. I was like, why can't the Bible talk about these things more? Like, I like those things. Anyway, the Bible talks a lot about deer. And uh, when I watch a deer, like, like move, here's the first thing you got to know about hunting. Uh, one, deer will creep up on you super fast. Like, all of you hunters know this, right? Like, you'd be looking, and, and, you're looking and staring, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's like right on top of you. You're like, how'd you get here? So they, they morph, right? They, and they, they morph, and they're, and they're there, and they're present, and you're like, whoa, and then your heart rate starts really beating, and you're like, should I kill this thing or not? And you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, and nobody's up there with you, so you're like contemplating all of your life choices in this one instant, right? And the deer's looking up at you like, I dare you, take a shot, you're the worst shot in the world. Like, you can't kill my brothers or anybody like that, that's irrelevant. And so, <clears throat> Here's the four things that I see when I see deer. One, they're strong. If you look at the muscle structure of a deer, they're strong. Like crazy strong. They have just muscles on top. It's, it's, it's awesome to watch them. They're powerful creatures. Second thing I see, I wrote these down because I, I knew I would forget them. They're sure-footed. A deer gives great contemplation to his steps because you can't hear him. I mean, he just creeps up on you. He's just, he's just like there. We were driving the other day, and there's two deer in the field by our house. I slammed on the brakes, and I backed up. And Bethany's like, what are you doing? Whoa! You know? And uh, if you were here last week, that's funny. And um, I backed up, and she, I was like, there's two deer. Just, there's does, like, sitting right there. And I backed up, and me and this deer had a moment. I mean, I, I looked at <laughs> And Bethany's like, seriously? Like, what are we doing? And I'm like, girls, look. Look at the deer. Like, look at that. Look at the, Look how strong they are and sure-footed. And I mean, this deer was like, I don't care, you know, like, what, what are you doing? And I was, I was crazy, just blown away at God's creation in that, in that single animal. He was strong, he was sure-footed, I'll give you the other two. He was beautiful, and he was fast. What a beautiful creature, and what speed. Because the second I looked at him, he, he met eyes with me, and then, boom, he was gone. Like, shoof. And I thought to myself, because we're in Habakkuk, so Habakkuk chapter 3, or 19, 319 says, God makes, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. If I sing a song, you ready for this? If I sing a song that is constructed of his power and his forgiveness and his presence, and that gives me inner peace, I am called to be like the deer who, ready for this? David said, as the deer panteth for the water. So Jesus says, come to me like deer. Come to me because I will give you strength. Come to me because I will make you sure-footed. Every step that you take comes out of here. I will make you beautiful because I will forgive your sin and I will make you fast. That you would, like Paul said, run the race that has been marked out for you. And so Habakkuk closes in chapter three and he says, this is my song to the choir master, with stringed instruments. Wow. What about you? Like, where are you? Have you created and constructed a song with everything that's been going on in your life through the power and the forgiveness of Jesus? 
because of the way that he has showed up and been present in every single area of your life. And here we come to the Lord's table and we reflect on all these things. And have you thanked God just that he has given you peace? And if you don't have peace, guess what? God says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. It's the same word. And so that's why we do this, right? So that we can pause and selah here for a moment and reflect on the gift of Jesus Christ, a symbolic representation of communion, that Jesus' blood was shed and Jesus' body was broken for me and for you. And so in just a second, I'm going to pray. Our ushers are going to come up and they're going to serve you communion. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are allowed to participate in communion this morning. The Bible says that the Lord's table is set set apart for believers, those who have confessed with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You're allowed to participate. If you haven't, contemplate that. Why haven't you? Make the decision today to trust Jesus Christ, that his blood that was shed was done so as a remission for your sins. And his body was broken on behalf of you. Make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus as your Savior, what is your song right now? What is it? What, what, is it, what, what are you singing right now? When the words that are inside of you fail and the music starts to speak, what does it look like? Is God's power present there? Is his forgiveness there? Is his presence there? Like, have you seen his areas? If you, if you would, would you just say love for a second as those elements are given to you? And would you just thank God this morning for that? Would you say, Jesus, just thank you for peace like a river that flows in my soul. Thank you for the joy of my salvation. This is a remembrance, first of all, of what God has done, but second of all, to get right with Jesus. And so let's pray together. God, thank you so much for Habakkuk and his song. And may we do you a good service by creating and constructing a life song that is very identical to that text. Would you help us with our mouths to speak clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the forgiveness that we have received? Would you help us very clearly to articulate to those who are lost the need of a Savior? We believe, God, with all of our heart that there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And we thank you for the fact that Jesus Christ was not a temporary sacrifice, but a permanent sacrifice that died on the cross for our sins, and we believe that, Jesus. If you are sitting in this pew and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not something that you have done through works. You cannot obtain this through good service. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so therefore, we believe that Jesus Christ came into the world not as a condemnation, but he came as a salvation. And so this morning, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ, it's very simple. Say, maybe for the first time, God, I believe I'm a sinner. I understand that. I know that I've done something wrong. And I confess right here in this place that you died for my sin. 
And I believe that in my heart. Would you come and would you make me new? I want to be your child. I don't want to build my foundation on myself. I want to build my foundation on you. And if you've done that this morning, if this is your first time that you've ever done that, get with me. Come find me after church and say, Jordan, I made that decision this morning. I want to walk with you through that and, and affirm some of the things that the Bible says. For those of us who have already made that decision, what's going on? God, search our hearts and our minds and correct us on what needs to be corrected so that we can sing to you your power and your forgiveness. Make us very aware of the fact that you have been present in our life in all of the trials and the tribulations and the problems and the hardships and all of those things. Help us to find our own dates in which we store up in a vase to where we can clearly say this is exactly where we have seen your hand and may those rocks be plentiful. May our hands hurt because of how much we have written the fact that you have been revealed. And Jesus, for the people who are here who are struggling with all of these things, would you give them peace? A peace that passes all understanding and help them to know that you are with them, that you are for them, that you are on the front lines with them, that you're in front of them, you're beside them, and you're behind us all the way. Would you help them to know these things in ways that I cannot? Impress these truths on their heart the ways that I cannot. Give us peace, God. As we come before you this morning, help us as the elements are passed out to pause to Selah and to reflect and to exalt this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, they're going to come up and, and serve the elements. Um, we'll take it together today as a family. So just hold on to those elements and I'll come back up and we'll, uh, we'll give them to you. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.